Well, as we have said repeatedly, and you are well aware by now, that this morning we're going to be having an installation service. This is where we are installing or commissioning men to serve in the offices of elder and deacon within the life of our church. These men are uh, Elder Michael Wise, Deacons Brian DeShilio, Glenn Fisher, Isaac Hostetter, and Philip Hostetter. However, Philip is unable to be with us, unable to be with us this morning at the last minute. We uh, know that he so desperately would like to be here, but uh, he is unable to do so. We will be installing him at a later time. But uh, just be aware that our brother uh, Philip is a deacon and is serving as a deacon, and we will have that installation service for him at a later time. These men occupy offices that carry very important responsibilities in the church. The men will join the work of the existing elders and deacons as they perform their responsibilities. As a part of the installation service, the elders will come forward and be laying their hands upon the men and praying for them. This act of laying their hands upon the men have a rich heritage and it has great spiritual significance. It doesn't empower, it's not mystical, but it is extremely significant and important. So this morning, in preparing for this installation service, we are going to seek to better understand what is being portrayed as the elders lay their hands upon and pray for these individuals. The scripture refers to laying hands on individuals in a number of places. For example, Paul writes to Timothy and admonishes him, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by the prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Later, Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5.22, Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands, nor take part in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. So there the admonishment is, don't be hasty about establishing a person in office, but give great forethought, uh, great analysis to what is taking place. We have the New Testament example of laying on of hands with regard to the very first deacons. In Acts chapter 16, we have the installation of the first deacons in the church, though these men are not actually referred to as deacons in the text. So I'm assuming that they are deacons. At the very least, at the very least, they are forerunners to the deacons that are established in the New Testament. And we read this account. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, 
a man full of faith of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Procurus, and Conor, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. Those they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. So this morning, as we enter into this service, I ask the simple question, what are we to understand by the laying on of hands? Well, to answer that question, I'm going to take us back to the Old Testament. Numbers, chapter 27, which was just read for you. If you would turn in your Bibles there. And I want to work through this uh, account of Moses laying his hand upon Joshua and establish him as a leader in Israel. A number of notes that I, I want us to see from this particular passage about what is communicated by laying on of hands. First, laying on of hands was a symbol given by the Lord. It was a symbol given by the Lord. If you notice in verse 27, uh, excuse me, Numbers 27, verse 15, uh, verse 18, I'm having trouble with my glasses this morning, so, sorry. Numbers 27, 18. So the Lord said to Moses, the Lord said to Moses, these were God's instructions, and notice the last part of that verse, verse 18, Lay your hand upon him. Lay your hand upon him. So this was God's instruction. This wasn't a man-made uh, ritual, but it was ordained by God. It was a means of revealing God's purpose and will. Lay your hand upon him. So number two, the concept of the laying on of hands was to be one chosen by God, the recipient on the laying on of hands was to be one chosen by God. Verse 18, the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, the son of Nun. Take Joshua, the son of Nun. God, in choosing Joshua as a leader in Israel, referred to Joshua by name. Nothing could be clear as to God's will, but that Joshua was going to be the successor to Moses. We would love if today God would supply us with the names of those whom he has chosen to be elders and deacons. It would be terrific if their names were written in the sky. That would make life a whole lot simpler. But God hasn't supplied us with those names. Rather, God has delegated that responsibility to his people, as seen even in the book of Acts. If you remember that account that I read in Acts chapter 6, verse 2, it said, And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute. So God entrusted this responsibility to the apostles who then entrusted the responsibility to others. And they said, pick out from among you seven men of good repute. Instead of supplying us with a list of names... God has supplied us with a list of qualifications that are found in 1 Timothy and elsewhere. God has delineated the kind of person that should be an elder, the kind of person that should be a deacon, what is expected of their uh, life in order to be an elder or a deacon. So God gives us the qualifications. With that in mind, today, the men who are going to be installed this morning were men that were selected by the nominating committee 
in keeping with the requirements that are detailed in the New Testament. We have looked upon the congregation with the requirements in mind of what the Word of God says for an elder and for a deacon and have chosen these individuals as men that meet those qualifications. The Board of Elders were then informed concerning the nominating committee's report and they also uh, conferred. These men then were ratified by the congregation. We had a congregational meeting in which these names were presented. They did not run against each other. It was simply said, these are men that we believe that God is called to be an elder. These are men that we believe that God is called to be deacons. Do you as the members of the church ratify and acknowledge these men as elders and deacons? And indeed, the congregation did ratify and state that they were in agreement that these individuals were indeed called of God to be elders and deacons. So now they come publicly to be acknowledged in this installation service. So we find out, thirdly, that the laying on of hands was part of an installation or commissioning service, verse 19. For, uh, back to Numbers 27, Numbers 27, 19. Make him stand before Eleazar the priest and all the congregation. Now these words, and you shall commission him. You shall commission him. That word to commission is to appoint to a duty or a responsibility. Joshua was going to be given responsibility, new responsibility, that he had not uh, shouldered up until that particular point in time. But he was going to be entrusted with a new responsibility. So today, these men are going to be entrusted with new responsibilities as they are going to become members of the Board of Elders and the Board of Deacons. Fourthly, we see that the laying on of hands was to be an installation service that was to be public. For it says in verse 19, make him stand before Eleazar the priest and all the congregation and you shall commission him. Now these words in their sight, in their sight. So this was to be a very public service where Joshua and Moses were to stand before Eleazar the priest and the entire congregation, and they were to be commissioned in their sight. It was to be public, for it had relevance to the entire congregation. What was taking place was meaningful not just for Joshua, not just for Moses, but for the entire congregation. For fifthly, we note the laying on of hands was to entrust the individual with authority. Verse 20. You shall invest him with some of your authority. You shall invest him with some of your authority. So this is a time in which a person is enabled, entrusted with responsibilities and authority. And then, sixthly, the laying out of hands was to entrust the individual with a shared authority, a shared authority. And I, I can't emphasize that enough, a shared authority. For notice in verse 20 of chapter 27, it says, you shall invest him with 
Now, notice these words, some of your authority. Some of your authority. In other words, Moses was to share the authority that he possessed with Joshua. He was to give him some of that authority. He was to relinquish some of the responsibilities as well as some of the the honor and some of the respect that he had as a leader in Israel and invest that, entrust it, give it to Joshua, to Joshua. So Joshua was to share in Moses' responsibility for leading the people of Israel. So this morning, we are going to find that these people that we are installing are going to become members of either the board of elders or the board of deacons. And as such, they will share in the responsibilities and duties of the elders and deacons. Now, I just want to stress how important that is for there is no one person who has the authority of the board of elders or the board of deacons. No one person rules, rules or governs or ministers in the life of the church. It is a shared responsibility. So no one person is invested with that responsibility, but the board is invested with that responsibility. The board of elders, the board of deacons, collectively, they have an authority that exceeds the authority of any one individual. That's an important element in the life of our church. It is a shared, shared authority. So I I want now to consider with you the offices of elder and deacon. What is it that they are sharing in their authority, if you will? What is their responsibilities and duties? So let me begin by talking about elders. And the following material is taken from the order of the Bible Fellowship Church. So I'm going to be quoting what the uh, order of the Bible Fellowship Church states. There is a distinction between the role of an elder and the role of a deacon. First of all, elders. And I quote, In the New Testament church, Christ has provided men called elders, whom he has enabled and commissioned to govern with ministers or pastors in his church. Men who bear the office share equally with the pastors the authority in and responsibility for the life of the church. But in contrast to pastors, whose primary authority and responsibility are in the word and doctrine, and secondarily in ruling, the primary authority and responsibility of elders are ruling and governing, and secondarily in the word and doctrine. Thus, the eldership is divided into two categories, ruling elders and teaching elders. Teaching elders' primary responsibility is to preach and teach. The ruling elders' primary responsibility is to govern the life of the church. Now, let me just slow down and unpack that for you briefly this morning. And that is that as we think of the board of elders, it is comprised of pastors and lay elders. Comprised of both myself as pastor and Pastor Brandt and Pastor Cruz, and then 
the lay elders. And we share in that office equally, the uh, order says, says, and more importantly, the scriptures state. But the primary responsibility is different. My primary responsibility and that of the other pastors is preaching and teaching. That is our primary role. That's our primary function, to declare this is what the word of God says and to teach it. Now, these distinctions are not mutually exclusive. It isn't that the elders don't preach and teach, and it isn't that the pastors don't rule, but the primary function of the pastors is to declare what the word of God teaches. The primary responsibility of the elders is to oversee the life of the church in directing its ministries and, and uh, responsibilities. And that is defined as ruling. One practical way that that distinction is manifested in the life of our church is that the pastoral staff does not vote in board meetings. Only the lay elders actually cast votes who make declarations as to how the life of the church is going to be uh, governed. I chair the board, but I do not have a vote, with the one exception, that if there were to be a tie, uh, then I cast the deciding vote. But if there's not a tie, I do not vote, and nor does the, nor do the other uh, pastors. Deacons. The office of deacon is presented in the scripture as an office not of ruling, but of service. His office is one of sympathetic service to the church and to the distressed, friendless, sick, after the example of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have one that is a ruling body, which is the elders. We have one which is a serving body, which is the deacons. Seventh, the authority of the one who was receiving the laying out of hands was to be recognized by the congregation. Back to Numbers 27.20. You shall invest him with some of your authority, and now these words, that all the congregation of the people of Israel may obey him. That's why it was to be public. So that all the people of Israel would obey him. With that in mind, after the uh, formal installation of our brother Mike Wise as an elder, we will ask you as a congregation these two questions. First, do you, receive, do you, the members of the church, acknowledge and receive this brother as an elder? And secondly, do you promise to yield him all honor, encouragement, and obedience in the Lord to which his position enables him and entitles him? So do you submit to him and his authority? And again, that's a shared authority. Because that is a ruling body in our church, that's why the word obedience is given, as it even is found in Numbers chapter 27. When the deacons have answered the questions that I'm going to put to them publicly, I will then ask you as, as members of the congregation, 
Do you, the members of this church, acknowledge and receive this brother as a deacon? And secondly, do you promise to give him all of the honor, encouragement, and support in the Lord to which his position entitles him? Next, the authority of the one who was receiving the laying of hands was a delegated or representative authority. We already know that it was a shared authority. Now what I'm saying to you, it's a delegated or represented authority. Delegated by whom? And representative of whom? And the answer is God. God. For notice verse 21. And he shall stand before Eleazar the priest, who shall inquire for him by the judgment of the Urim before the Lord. At his word, they shall go out, and at his word, they shall come in, both he and all the people of Israel with him and the whole congregation. And the going out and the, the coming in has to do with movement, has to do with battles, has to do with all kinds of decisions that were to take place in Israel. But notice, notice what was to take place. And that was that Joshua was to stand before Eliezer the priest who was to inquire for him by the judgment of Urim before the Lord. They were to seek the Lord's will as to what to do. And the manner in which they were to seek that will was the Urim. Urim. In other words, Joshua wasn't just given carte blanche authority to do whatever you want. Joshua, you're a wise man. We know we can trust you. Uh, You tell us when to go to battle. You tell us when not to go to battle. You tell us when to move our encampment. You tell us when not to move our encampment. No, 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 that's not how it worked. He was the one that was delegated to go to Eleazar and to ask of God, God, what would you have us to do? God was to declare himself by the Urim, which were stones. I'm not going to go into detail of that this morning, of how that relative that the revelationary work took place. But I'm simply pointing out to you that it was his responsibility to declare what was the will of God. It's very important for our elders to understand. Our elders have no authority other than God's authority. And we are never, ever to make decisions based on what we like and what we don't like or what the world's pressures are and what the world's pressures are not. It is our responsibility to govern under the authority of God. We're not given Urim in order to determine the will of God. We're given the scripture. And it is our responsibility to faithfully, faithfully, without fail, without exception, ask the question, what does God's word say? And then say to our congregation, that's what we must do. We must follow God. We must obey his word. And the congregation must support those decisions to follow the word of God. That's why it's a sobering morning. That's why it's one of great responsibility. But there are also these great joys that are associated with it. God's word was followed, 
And Joshua was commissioned, Numbers 27, 22, and 23. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him. It's commendable. The Lord did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and made him stand before Eleazar the priest and the whole congregation. And they laid his hands on him and commissioned him as the Lord directed through Moses. Moses.